Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I've been doing ministry for a while now, and I had a, I had a lot of ways I wanted to go when Pastor C was like, hey, Rick, I want you to get up this Sunday morning. But God specifically put something on my heart to share with you today. And so I'm here on assignment, and I want you to hear my heart. So before we even, like, get into that, like, I got a, I got a few prerequisites I need you to understand about, about this message. There's a few things I need you to understand before I get into it, right? So the first thing that you got to understand before we get into this message is that God is good. I, I didn't hear you. God is good. And all the time. Because I'm going to say some hard truths today, but you got to understand that God is good. And the reason that some of this stuff is hard is because he's good. And in his goodness, he wants what's best for you. So God is good all the time, right? This means that even when it don't seem like it, even when it don't feel like things are going in your favor, God is, okay. The second thing you gotta understand that everything from God is good because God is good, but not everything good is from God. Everything that is good is not from God because not everything that is good means God is in it, which means it might not be for you. So God is good all the time and everything God does is good, but not everything good is from God. Because 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 12 says, you have the right to do anything. You have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Right? This is the words of Paul. And it says, I have the right to do anything, but I will, be not, I will not be mastered by anything. I have one master, that is God, and he is good. All right? So I'm going to be reading to you today. We're going to get into it out of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 18 is what we're going to be reading. And it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our monetary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far awaits them all. So we fix our eyes on what is, 
We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the word that you have given, Lord God. I pray that I may lie down as you rise up, Lord God. May I decrease so that you may increase, Lord God. I pray that you would speak today, Lord God. Have your way in this place, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Where Ben at? Ben gonna love this, because he always says this as a joke, but I'm gonna jump back to Genesis 1 real quick. In the beginning, God created the world. He created it all, and he said it is good, right? So in God's creating, he said, let us make man in our image, and he blew his breath into the dirt and created man. He called them Adam. The word Adam means humanity. So he gives his life, he gives his breath and gives life to man, right? And it is the spirit of God that is breathed into the dust to make it a living being. So we are spiritual beings having a human experience. You understand? God's spirit is in us and gave us a spirit and now we are human beings. So it's the spirit that gives us life, right? Our time on earth is a mere parenthesis in eternity. Dr. Rick Warren said that, I love that line. Our time on earth is a mere parenthesis because we are created from the dust and so into the dust we will return, right? These bodies will fade and, and pass on, right? But eternity means that time does not apply. God sits outside of time and he created you. But when he created you, he didn't create you with an expiration date. It was never God's plan for us to die, right? And so he gave us this eternal being that sits inside of us and that's our spirits, right? So we weren't made to die, but when sin entered the world, that forfeited our dust. Our time on earth became limited because death now entered the realm, right? So the things of the world that God created that was good became susceptible to death. So God's perfect world that he gave to Adam to have dominion over was forfeited. And so while this is happening, we don't know at what point Lucifer is up in heaven and he leads a rebellion against God. He literally is like, All right, I'm going to take this over right now. And obviously he failed because you can't be God. And so he was cast out of heaven along with a, you know, one, a lot of theologians believe a third of the angels that decided, all right, we're going to side with Lucifer. So they were all kicked out of heaven, right? So God created this great world, this perfect world. He has Adam in there. Adam got dominion over it. And Lucifer and his angels get kicked out of heaven. So they, they got nothing now. They got kicked out of their homes with nothing. Right? And so where do they end up? They end up here on earth with us. So there's this dynamic that takes place now, right? We're here with dominion over the earth. And these angels that got kicked out of heaven are also here with nothing. So we all know the story. Eve eats the fruit because she was tempted by Satan, which is also Lucifer in a different form, right? 
But why did he do that? Why did he come and do that, right? The fall of man was the first time that we ever see Lucifer or Satan interact with human beings, right? Satan means the accuser or adversary. And he interacted with human beings to gain influence. He, he did it to gain influence, right? Influence is the key to what I'm trying to share with you today, right? The adversary and opposition to God is at war with God for the very things that he loves, and that's communion with you and me. God wants to be in communion with you and me, but what does Satan want? He wants to be in opposition to God, so he doesn't want that to happen. So what does he do? He's going against you. See, Lucifer is at war with God. And regardless of the fact that it's a losing battle, we're in the middle of a war. But you got to understand, the war is over you. He's going against God because he wants to get to you. Right? Ephesians 6.12 says... For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are spiritual forces coming against us, and if you're, not, if you're naive to the schemes, you'll easily fall to, susceptible to it, right? Because here's the hard truth behind it. You're either in, intentionally or unintentionally building a kingdom. You're either intentionally or unintentionally building the kingdom. Whether you know it or not, you're either going for God or going against God. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to confuse anybody, okay? Because some, some, some of my seasoned saints will be in here and they'll hear this message and they'll be like, that's right, that's right, that's right. It sounds good. But this message is not just for a new believer, okay? This message is actually for the believer because deliverance is for the believer more than it is for the unbeliever and I need some of you to understand the ways that you may have in your life that you don't realize that are helping you go against God the reason humanity is under assault is because we're all connected to it our bodies are the instrument that spiritual forces of the world use to gain access to our world they were kicked out of heaven and had nothing. So what do they need now? They need some place to live. They need some place to dwell. They need some way to interact with our world. And how do they do that? They do it through you. Right? You have to understand that, especially some of my seasoned saints, a lot of us like to walk around and sing these songs and we, we make these proclamations that I'm a soldier in the army for the, for the Lord. And the truth is, that sounds nice. But you're not even a soldier. You're the battlefield. You are the battlefield. You're, you're what is being fought over. Right? James 4, 4, 5 says, Do you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend with the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says for no reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he calls to dwell in you? You see, God is undefeated. He's never lost the battle. And because God has never lost the battle, Satan is not going to go against God. There's actually nowhere in the Bible where he actually says anything against God. 
It's kind of crazy. Satan never goes against God even though he's at war with God. You know what he goes after? You. He goes after you. And it, it, it throws me all the time because why does he go after you? Because you got a weakness. He, he doesn't have any real power here. He doesn't have any strength here. So what does he go after? He goes after you. Why? Because you have the weakness. Right? Jesus was praying in the garden in Matthew 6, 20, uh, 26, right? And Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the flesh is weak. What is the flesh? It's the dust. It, it, it's what we're, it's, it's what we're, we're created to hold the spirit. It's the container that we have. It's the weakness, right? The war is going on for our souls, but it's important to understand that battles are being fought for our bodies. We are clay battlefields. That's the title of my message today. Clay battlefields. Clay battlefields. So I have three quick points really quick, right? Three quick points to remember in the midst of these battles over your body to keep in mind, right? The first one is this. The contents determines the value. The contents determines the value. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are vessels. A vessel is defined as a hollow container used to carry something. A hollow container using, we are vessels. And the thing about a vessel is it can be filled up with anything. And because of that, God created us to be the image, God created us in his image to be vessels of his spirit to contain his attributes and his character. God put his spirit in us, right? And we call this the Imago Dei, it's the image of God. We all have it. It don't matter where you're from, who you are, you have the image of God inside of you, right? But the verse says we have this treasure in jars of clay. So it's what's inside of us that really holds the value. Because like I said, this is, we're dust. We will fade away. But what we have inside of us has value to it. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the value that we carry is, is, is inside of us. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us so that God's glory can be displayed through us. God wants to do something through you. The problem is we always try to make it about us. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Somebody say living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. You see, the greatest message you're ever going to preach in this world is the life you live. How you live your life matters. How you go about this world matters. Because that determines who you are a lot of times. People will know you by the fruit that you bear, right? And so our worship to God should come from the inside out. We are a product of our spirit coming in communion with God's spirit. And that is how worship happens. It's the overflow of your heart. The posture of your heart in worship says a lot more about the value 
than your physical, social, or economic status that you possess. Yes, I want to be successful in life. Yes, I want to have a lot of money. Yes, I want to I want to be wealthy. Like let's be honest, right? But even if I'm not, I pray that I'll be rich in spirit. Like I I want to forever be in the favor of God more than anything else. So how 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 you live your life really matters. And see, I think the problem is we have tools these days like social media and stuff like that that gets everything all twisted. You see, the amount of followers you have does not determine your worth. The amount of likes you get on a post does not matter when it comes to where, where's your spirit at, right? Here's the truth, right? If we're vessels, right? The problem is too many people want to be Lambos riding around with a bunch of nobodies than to be a Corolla riding around with the spirit of God. Like, you're more worried about what type of vehicle, what type of, of, of vessel you are than what you're carrying in you, right? I use Toyota as an example because they last forever, right? But the type, of, the type of container is not as important as what's in it. When you, take, when you take a treasure chest and you put your treasures in it and they bury it in the ground, the container don't really matter because it's about to get covered with dirt. It's about to be in the mud. It's, about to, it's, 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 it's getting all the nastiness because it's protecting what's on the inside of it. Right? Stop looking to the things of this world to gauge your value because what's, in, what's inside of you is far more valuable than anything that this world has to offer. It's the contents of the vessel that determines its value. My second point. Protect your contents. Protect your contents. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11 says, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. It's a lot happening here, but I ain't gonna lie. It sounds promising because no matter what's coming against you, it seems like you're winning. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Let's be clear here, guys. We're being overwhelmed by this world. We're being overwhelmed by the world. But remember, God is good. But not everything good is from God. Along with that, not everything in this world is evil. Not everything in the world is evil, right? But anything that God is not actively working in, although it may be good, if God's not in it, it's open to corruption. It's open to corruption. So that means it can now be used against you. Remember, I said this already, it's a game of influence. So pay attention to what's going on in the world today, right? Pay attention to what's going on in the world today, right? Everyone wants to be an influencer, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be an influencer, but it's what's influencing you that might be the problem. Like I said, God is good, 
And because God is good, he is the epitome of good, which means God is the standard for what is good. Can y'all say that with me? God is the standard for what is good. God gets to set the bar. So when God says this is what's good, nothing changes that. God said what is good. It's not our emotions. It's not our desires. It's not our wants. Nothing changes what God said is good. And since God has already set a standard and the line has been drawn for what is good, the only way to gain influence over you is to weaken your discernment. It's to weaken your discernment. See, discernment is the ability to assess and make sound judgment. That's how it's defined in the dictionary. The ability to assess and make sound judgment, right? Some people will say, some theologians believe, at its base level, discernment is being able to hear from God. So the enemy is after your discernment. There, there's, there's a gift of discernment that the Holy Spirit gives called the discerning of spirits. But I think at a base level, we all have a level of discernment to just understand and make sound judgment. But the enemy is after that. He doesn't want you to make sound judgment. Why? Because he wants you to make mistakes. If you look around, the world is attacking, it's coming at us, and it's not, even, it's not even hiding anymore. Like, the attacks are so obvious nowadays, it's ridiculous. Because our discernment is so distorted that I don't even gotta hide no more. First John 2, 16 says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires passes away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see, my, my thing is, entertainment has become our biggest pitfall. It's entertainment, right? Entertainment is our biggest struggle. Because what happens is, we look past the things that we look past the things that are, that are being thrown in our face because we like what we're seeing. We look past the things that aren't right because it enjoys us. And because it amuses us, we look past the fact that it's disrespecting God. Just because I like how it looks, it might make me laugh, doesn't mean that it might be saying something that goes against God but you look past it because it makes me laugh. I like it, right? The enemy and the forces have entertained us so much that the line that God has set has become so blurred that you don't realize how far you are past the line. We've allowed the things that entertain us to become idols and now our idols are dictating to us what is acceptable when that's not what God said. Honestly, it's idolatry. It's, it's, it's idolatry, and at best, it's willful ignorance. Because I, I think a lot more people realize it than they, they, they want to admit, but they just like, you know what I'm saying? Ah, they sound good, though. James 4, 4 says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies with God in his way. 
And do you suppose God doesn't care? The Proverbs has it that he fierce, he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. I don't want you to think I'm making this up, right? So there's this real famous entertainment. I'm not going to say no names. I'm going to throw out some examples here, but I ain't going to say no names because I'm not really against the person. I'm, I'm against what the world is doing with these people. And so there's this really famous singer. She's super popular, millions and millions of followers, right? So she decided that she's going to follow the trend and do something on social media. So she went in social media and was like, hey, y'all, I'm here to do a what's in my bag. And what's in your bag means that she just simply gonna empty out her purse and let you see everything that's in her purse. And some of y'all know for a woman that could be a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so she's like, let me show y'all what's in my bag. And so she starts pulling stuff out of her bag. And I'm like, she's a big time. I, f I followed her on social media up until this point. Um, so she goes in her bag and she starts pulling stuff out. And so she obviously she pulls out, I was shocked. She pulled out about a hot sauce. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I can vibe with you. But then she pulls out a rabbit's foot. She pulls out like a, a journal, diary type thing. But then she pulls out a sage. She pulls out a couple more things and then she put, pulls out tuning forks. I never even paid attention. I, like who really uses tuning forks? But she had tuning forks. And she keeps pulling stuff out. And I'm just looking at the stuff that she's pulling out. I'm like, some of it makes sense, but a lot of that don't make a lot of sense to me. Like what is going on right now? And she was pointing out all these things that are tools for de demonic forces that she's presenting as common use things. Oh, what's in my bag? This is what I carry around with me every day. Tools that demonic forces uses for witchcraft. We're in the midst of a war and the enemy is sabotaging us by modernizing witchcraft. It's, it's witchcraft being modernized. Like, like, I know it's hard because you can't physically see it, right? But I'm trying to open your eyes to what's happening in the spiritual world. We look beyond what is thrown in our face to, and, and we have to look to see what's behind it. Like, what's influencing the things that are influencing you? What is influencing the people that are influencing you? Anything that is in rebellion to God is witchcraft. There's all these things. There's new age spirituality. There's sage and crystals and astrology and ancestral practices, right? All these things. Things that were created that have a deeper history in witchcraft now, right? Because everything that, that came about came from God. But once God wasn't moving in it, it was open to corruption and distortion. And so now all these things are being used as witchcraft. Because if it's not for God, it's against God. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. what happens is we conform and conformity is a trap 
I need you to understand that God does not grade on a curve. Just because everyone else is doing it does not make it acceptable to God. Just because the world's doing it doesn't mean it's okay. Like, what does his word say? Let me give you some examples. The music industry. The music industry. I, I know a lot of artists, like, I started making videos because I wanted to be a music director. Like, I wanted to make music videos, and so I got into this, and so I spent a lot of time filming artists and studios and all these other areas and stuff like that. And what you tend to see is when you go into a music studio, most of these artists, they got bottles sitting around. They got the weed man come through. And so what they're doing is, they're now drinking and getting high to help put them in the right mood to make this music. And so now what you have is, what do they call it when you drink too much? They say you're under the, it's the same thing when you're smoking and you get high. You are coming under the influence, right? So now you have an artist coming under the influence of something to make music that is influencing you. And so you have, to, you have to look past what's being thrown in your face. Because yeah, it sounds good, but what's the influence behind it? I once heard a story recently told by a famous pastor, and he was saying how he was at a concert. And while he was at the concert, him and his wife were watching, and this artist came on. And the moment the artist came on, he said spiritually him and his wife felt like the whole mood shifted. And you can see that something in the atmosphere shifted and something came over the room. Well, this is a well-known artist. This artist is known at this time for being depressed and sad. They lost family members. They had a lot going on. They were going through a lot. And so the music that this person was making at the time was very dark. And the moment this person hit the stage, you can feel it in the room. Why? Because they're coming under the influence and then putting that influence on you. I saw a video on social media the other day. A rapper came on stage little gun I'm not gonna say names or whatever and he called it out I'm like wow he literally said I hope y'all know y'all going to hell with me I was like wow what you gonna say if you in the crowd and he say that <laughs> I rebuke you in the name of Jesus you can't you, you didn't go to concert with your bible what you doing It's not just the music industry, the film industry. Yeah. The film industry. I can go deep with this, but I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna go there, but like, let, let, let's just be honest. The film... <laughs> <laughs> the film industry has a lot of behind the scenes happening and going on, but I just wanna talk about what's being thrown in your face. The thing about film, when I make, like, when I make a video, I'm purposely cutting up parts of the video that I feel like can reach heart strands, that could tug on your emotions. You see, movies are being made overly dramatic on purpose. The thing is, they're making all these overly dramatic things, and because it's overly dramatic, it's not real. But it's being thrown in our faces so much that people don't, can't tell what's real from what's fake anymore, as now they're living out the fake. The problem, the problem with the film industry is that because it's not real, the art has become the reality. 
we're digesting these things and we're getting full off of these things. And what you're filling up with is what eventually comes out. See, like I said, conformity is a trap. I recently heard about a, a test study that was being done by a famous university. And in this test study, they put, uh, I believe it was 10 actors, they put 10 actors in a room. And in this experiment, it's, a, it's an experiment to test human response. And so they, they brought in one random person off the street into a room with 10 actors. And they said, hey, you get a free exam with the doctor, the doctor's gonna do a free checkup on you, this, that. And so while they're sitting in this waiting room with these actors, every five minutes, they set, they set off an alarm, like a bell will ring, boop. And every time the bell will ring, all the actors would stand up. And so the first person who was in the room kind of was just like, what's happening, what's happening? But after doing it a couple times, boop, the bell goes off, the, the, the person who randomly came starts standing up with the rest of the group. And once that person started standing up, they took out one actor and brought in another person off the street. And they kept doing this until eventually the room is filled with nothing but people off the street and not actors. And amazingly enough, every time the bell rung, boop, everybody in the room got up. And at the end of it, they were like, hey, why are you standing up every time the bell ring? Uh, I don't know, I saw everybody else doing it. I, just, I, I, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. It was a test on conformity. Yeah, come on. It was a test done on conformity. Conformity will have you doing things that you don't even understand just to fit in. Yeah. Come on. Our youth are being fed ideas about pronouns and other perverse ways of thinking because they're not even old enough to understand it. And some people out there are gonna be like, this is grooming. But what it is, is it's a seed of confusion. It's a seed of confusion. Confusion leads to questions, and without God's word, those questions lead to conformity. So how do you back conformity? With the word. Romans 9.20 says, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? I feel like that would change some people's minds on a lot of ways. <laughs> like, just that line alone. Oh, but God made you that way, right? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? The old saying is, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Everyone has an opinion, and social media is giving people all this type of courage nowadays, because you feel like you can just say whatever they want. And there's a lot of people out there taking stands under the banner of Christianity nowadays, not realizing that they're already so far across the line that their argument is not even valid anymore. You're not doing it for Jesus, you're doing it for the appearance of Jesus. Like how you live your life is more important than what you're posting about. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. But you can't just run with everything is permissible because operating in ways with no benefit leads to a path of destruction. Now, now, now hear me out, guys. 
I'm not saying go home and throw away all your movies, delete all your music. If that's your personal conviction, that's cool, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you gotta guard your contents. Like you gotta protect your soul. Like how is your soul? See, I think as a church, not just cool church, the church at Capital C Church as a whole, we gotta do better of telling people like, like how do you guard your soul? Because everything coming against us is against our soul. The tax on our body to get to our soul. Jesus teaches us in Mark 7 that it's not what goes into us, but what comes out of us that defiles us. The thing is, what's in your heart is eventually what comes out. And life is about balance. If you're not in your prayer closet, if you're not in your Bible, if you're not in the presence of God, building a relationship with Jesus, you're filling with things in this world that eventually overflow into your life. Like what you're filling up will eventually overflow into your life, right? That's why we see all these people who are walking around here with depression and anxiety, like you have mental issues, suicidal thoughts, because you're willfully allowing the influences of this world to have access to your soul. Fill up with God instead. It's like this, you're a house. And if you're a house, you have so many rooms. But if you're letting the, the, the things of this world fill up all those rooms, and you're giving God just that prayer closet, don't be surprised when you're overwhelmed by all these things and not God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're giving free reign to the rest of your house and you're locking God in the closet. Wow. Why not give him more access yeah. and less access to some of these things of the world? We have to protect our contents. Protect what God is doing in you because he has a plan and a purpose for you. My third point. Acknowledge the owner. Acknowledge the owner. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 15 said, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. But we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and, and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. God is calling us to be stewards. A steward is a manager. So what are we managing? God gave us a deposit of his spirit. So you're supposed to manage your soul. It's your responsibility to manage your own soul, right? We have to take care of the spirit that God has given us. As a vessel in the kingdom of God, we should always be pointing towards Jesus. We are representatives of Jesus on earth, but the thing is we have to get past just it being here on earth because it's not about presentation it's about transformation Jesus wants you to represent him so that others will get a glimpse of him as well so others may get a piece of him as well you might be the only Jesus that someone sees Matthew seven sixteen says by their fruit will you recognize them 
Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. A lot of people get a bad taste of Jesus because of the people who are supposed to represent him. How are you representing Jesus? Are you being good fruit? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. You know, Gandhi, really famous person, Gandhi, he once said, if it wasn't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. He said, if it wasn't for Christians, I would be a Christian. Why? Because the people who are supposed to be representing Jesus is giving them a bad name. Like, how are you representing God? You have to ask yourself, am I representing Jesus properly? Because you may be the very thing that is preventing someone from walking in the fullness of what God has for you. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful for the master that he prepared to do any good work. I want to be used for special purposes. But it requires doing the work to make sure that you're set apart. That's what holy means. Holy means set apart. This is how you gain favor with God. Because he has the authority to pick and choose whoever he wants to use. But God loves us so much that you have to understand that he owns us. And he allows us to make a choice in how we live for him. Right? This is what we call free will. And I know what you're saying, like, like, what do you mean he owns us if we have free will? And it's a good question, right? Here's what I mean by he owns us. The one who pays has ownership. The one who paid for it has the ownership over it. When you go to a store, you don't give him your money and be like, here, take your stuff back. When you paid for it, it's yours now. Well, Jesus paid for us. He flipped the bill for us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. But why? Why would the God who created us have to buy us to own us. Well, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to be real with ourselves that every time we choose not to read our Bible, not to pray, but instead we chose to scroll the gram or be on TikTok, watch that movie or listen to that album, we're choosing to make those things bigger than God. And it may not be our intention, but we find ourselves on the wrong side, working with the wrong kingdom. 
But Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus paid the price and he bought it all for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that, he, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus paid the price, but what was the price? It was death. So that we can have the option to choose him. Jesus bought you just so you can have an option. Will you choose to love him? Because here's the best part about it. He bought us for a purpose. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that any man could boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan and purpose for all of us. So the question is, Will you be a vessel and allow God to operate through you? See, battlefields aren't pretty. There's usually destruction, usually dead things around. It's evidence that a fight was fought there. And some of us, that looks like our lives. For some of us, we might feel like we're still in the middle of the battle. The war is raging inside of us, but here's what the Lord says. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against whom those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for the sake of for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ if we choose to accept him. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.